This is the Living Vertizano podcast, brought to you by The Church at Riverstone, a fellowship of the Church of the Nazarene in Madera, California. Today's episode focuses on Jesus' healing of the demon-possessed boy, Jesus' prediction of his death, and the temple tax, found in Matthew 17, 14-27. Together, we will be discussing how we can have faith in His consistent provision. Hi, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Natasha. I'm Brittany. And I'm Derek. And we are the Living Vertizontal Podcast, back with you this week um, with uh, just a continued journey through Matthew. And so I just want to quickly remind everybody that uh, last week, uh, as we dove into the beginning of Matthew 17, we explored the story of the, uh, of the transfiguration and God's command to listen to Jesus. Uh, ultimately, as we conversed about this, we, we recognized how important it is for us as disciples to work to listen to Jesus amidst the noise of life. And so this week, we're going to just continue on in Matthew, uh, in Matthew 17 specifically, picking up at verse 14 and reading through the end of it, which is verse 27. Uh, and in this chunk, we're going to be uh, exploring the healing of a demon-possessed boy. Uh, we're going to be looking at Jesus' second prediction of his death, and then also this uh, conversation about the temple tax. And so this week, I believe we have uh, Brittany reading for us. So Brittany, would you take us through our passage this week? Yes. Matthew 17, verse 14. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and left him, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. After they gathered, Again in Galilee, Jesus told them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And the disciples were filled with grief. On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, What do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. All right. Thank you, Brittany. Uh, So there's our... Uh, kind of three different stories that we're going to be looking at uh, today. Um, and so what are you guys seeing? What are your observations, questions, uh, thoughts? Uh, I think the first thing that sticks out to me is is the inability or the, the lack of faith um, evident within the disciples. 
um, as as the father uh, says that they they were unable to heal him, and so he comes to Jesus um, because of what they weren't able to do. And so I, I don't know. That's the first thing that sticks out to me. Um, it's like another, like they it kind of like to extend like what we talked about the last few weeks. Like they're they're getting it, but not getting the full picture of what the kingdom like here and now looks like. And so it's, it's a, another opportunity for Jesus to help them to understand what the kingdom is going to look like. So because there was a footnote in my Bible um, to the Mark story of this, I jumped, it's in Mark nine. And I went back and looked at that just to kind of get a better or a different picture maybe of what was going on with regards to this whole faith situation and Matthew is um, ha, has as one of its sources Mark, the Gospel of Mark, and so uh, we can, I guess. So comparing these Gospels in this way is an okay thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, sure. All right. So um, if you look at verse uh, Mark nine, verse twenty one, uh, Jesus asks the boy's father. He says, "How long has he been like this?" And the father answers, from childhood, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. And so it, I think it just echoes, Derek, what you are already saying about this, this lack of faith that is present not just in maybe in the disciples, but really like this lack of faith in, in all these people around, they've heard these incredible miracles or seen seen them them with their own eyes. And yet they're still in this place of unbelief and, and the father, I mean, he ultimately in response to what Jesus says, he cries out in desperation and he says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief, like wanting so badly to believe. Um, for this healing to take place. And so I think, yeah, I think, I think that's a huge. And I almost feel like the end of what you said there, like the dad's response to Jesus. I don't know, for me, that feel like verse 19, that's the disciples response in a similar way. Like, why couldn't we do that? Mm -hmm. It's not that we don't have faith. We just don't understand to what extent, like, you know, it, it, not necessarily knowing how to practice it yet. Um, Mm. And so for me, like, I think that that's their, that's their same cry in that, in that same kind of vein, like, you know, why couldn't we do this? Like, we're seeing you do it. We're walking with you. Like we're experiencing these things with you, but what are, which is kind of different than, and this was addressed on Sunday, which is kind of different than previously when Jesus spoke to them because you know, they weren't listening in that same vein, but this shows that they are, which I think you mentioned that, that they actually are listening to what Jesus mm-hmm. is saying and coming with that question, like, why couldn't we do this is a way to. Yeah. It's like they've, they've coming off of the, uh, the transfiguration story and this command by God to listen to him. They've taken that to heart now. And so they recognize, okay, we weren't able to do something that we've seen Jesus be able to do. And so we know that because we can listen to him, we need to go to him. We need to ask him, Jesus, like, why couldn't we do that? Um, and so it was, it was from 
potentially, I guess, it, when I think about it that way, like the disciples came with a humble heart, with a heart desiring to learn, to understand, um, to allow Jesus to lead, not with a leading intention of trying to control him. It, the reason why I just said that, because I recognize in my words, maybe it seems like a non sequitur, but um, previously, uh, sorry, I wanted to go back. Previously, the Pharisees demand a sign. In in uh, chapter sixteen, Jesus' response is that they're um, a wicked and adulterous generation. And again, from from the Gospel of Mark, like Natasha has already brought up, if you go uh, back a few verses from where she brought us in, you get the full context and recognize that there are teachers of the law that are present in this moment. And so maybe that helps us understand why Jesus' response is you unbelieving and uh, perverse generation. Um, when the Pharisees come to Jesus or are seemingly involved with some, someone coming to Jesus, it's often associated with their attempt at forcing Jesus's hand to act in accordance with what they want him to do so they can understand what's going on. Um, and yet when the disciples here come to Jesus, I feel like that that's not their heart. Like I'm not, they're not coming to him saying like, will you do this? They're coming to him saying, help us understand. Yeah. Not prove to us who you are. Yeah. It's, but uh, because of who, who you, you are, are, help us understand what we're missing in this whole process. Um, which I, yeah. And, I and he goes on to say that like, when you have this faith, that there will be nothing impossible for you. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, just trying, like, it's trying to connect all the dots for them. Like, when you have this, this is what, like, this is what the kingdom looks like lived out. And you've got part of the pieces or, you know, a, a few of the dots, and now we just have to connect the dots so that, it, you know, it can be lived out to the fullness of what he what he desires or what he has come to show that it can be. I'm... Um part of living into this kingdom is this idea of having that level of belief and having that little level of faith, which I don't know about you guys, but I often feel like the father, hmm. like I believe rather maybe I want to believe. So help me help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think, um, as we've met, like as we, as a church, the church at Riverstone have met, I've I've seen that lived out better in our own kids. Mm. Like they've been the perfect example for us like of what faith should look like. Like if they say like it's going to happen, like they believe if Jesus said it like it's going to happen and they believe it. And I I often find myself like holy cow, um I need to have faith like that. Yeah. They've been a great example of what what Jesus wants us to to live like. Sunday uh, at the table I was at, I was sitting with the teens and it's funny that you would say that specifically because that was actually, um, processed through by Brooklyn, um, and talking about how, um, when you guys moved in her mind, she's like, okay, yeah, like great. And then situations have arisen now 
where she is struggling to understand why this is happening. And she, her statement was, I just want to have the faith that I had when I was younger because I'm looking at things now and I'm doubting and I'm questioning, but I didn't do that as much back then. And so like you even see that playing out, like what you just said, like we've seen it better in our kids. And one of our teens even recognizes, man, when I was just a, a year and a half ago, I was in a different place with my ability to, to have this faith than I am now. Cause I'm, I'm looking at things differently and I don't want to do that. I want to look at it like I did then. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm thinking about what you said and it's like this, I never want to grow up like Neverland kind of a thing, you know, like just give me the faith of a child forever, please. please. <laughs> but I didn't know if that was appropriate to say. So there. <laughs> good. We'll allow it. I mean, I think there is a lot to that. Like, you know, I mean, we can find that in the scripture. There's a lot to having faith like a child. Yeah. Um, I mean, I we were even talking on Sunday some things that we, we've seen Jesus do. Like when I was younger, like it was nothing for me to think like I'm going to pray this and Jesus is going to do it, and that's just how it is. And now, like, you know, you allow, like we talked about last week, you allow noise of the world to say mm. like it's good. it's it's not going to happen this can't happen you know this this can't be and Jesus says what it is what it is what does he say here um in verse uh verse 20 he said he replied because you have so little faith truly I tell you if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move nothing will be impossible for you nothing and so, like, that would, be, that would be something, like, that I recognize. Like, Jesus, I know what you're capable of. That's not ever the question. Maybe I just let the noise become too loud to remember. Mm. And I don't want the noise to be so loud that I forget. Especially, like, everything's competing. Like, we talked about that last week. Everything's competing for my attention. and Even logic itself. Yeah. Like, that. That's kind of what I was hearing and what I thought of when you were saying that. Like, I think I've never thought of that as noise before. And yet, like, we can reason our way away from the miraculous. I think one of the things, so in Mark, going back to Mark, it that line there is a little different. It says, Jesus tells them that this kind can only come through prayer. Hmm. Which, when I think about our conversation last week about fighting the noise, it only came through keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Right. And so that's this idea of prayer, right? Is you're, you're just solely focused on... In communication with, listening, yeah. speaking to Jesus. In so, one of the translations that I read, it said prayer and fasting. So sometimes you have to c- completely keep your eyes on Jesus, but you also have to be willing to sacrifice. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Total dependence. Right. And cutting of that noise Mm -hmm. for the, yeah. You know, faith is something that's easy to say. It's easy to say, you know, um, I believe that this is going to happen, but to truly believe 
and to take what you're believing for and just give it to the Lord and just say, okay, you're going to take care of it. I know you're going to take care of it instead of keep picking it up and worrying about it. And okay, 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 we're going to put it back down Mm -hmm. and then picking it back up because, you know, we think that we can fix this. You know, there are times in my life that I thought, well, if I just reason through it, if I just, um, maybe I can figure it out Mm -hmm. and, that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to figure it out. I'm supposed to just let Jesus do what he's going to do and just have faith that he's going to give the best outcome. Not the outcome that I want necessarily, but the best. You know, you mentioned logic. And it makes me think of like Peter when Jesus uh, was was telling him that, that he was going, you know, what was going to happen. And so, like, that's that's how Peter responded with logic. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that's the whole, like, taking your eyes off of, like, it's it's almost like, I don't know, subduing the, the idea of faith because logic, we let logic reign supreme. And, you know, not, which his context played into that, which we already talked about that a few weeks ago. But just when you mentioned that it made me think of peter not to beat peter up but that's like when we do that we we change what jesus is trying to do we make it something else mm-hmm. and not that necessarily they were trying to make it something else this is different we already talked about how they're actually proactively listening but still not quite quite getting it figured out and we can think we have we can think we got it right and still not, not have it right. fully. Yeah, not have it completely figured out. Right. Which I appreciate, like you said, there's humility and, and being able to come and ask the question. That had to be tough to ask. Like, you kind of walk in there defeated, like, you know. Embarrassed. Yeah. Like, yeah. And and yet they had the they had the humility to ask, like, we want to get this right. So where do we go from here? And And as, like, as this ends, like, that he reminds them, like, as they're trying to get this figured out, like, he's reminding them, like, again, this is what's going to happen to me. So, like, it's like this, let's try to get it figured out in this little bit of time that we have left because I'm going to have to go away. I'm going to have to suffer at the hands of the people who continuously are calling me out. And so... Mm -hmm. So it it almost, like, walks them walks the Jesus walks the disciples into this is your motivation. This is why you have to get this and get it right because you're going to go tell like it's a precursor to the great commission. You're going to go tell the world. You're going to go do this throughout the world. You're going to be my hands and feet. You're going to be the the foundation on which I build my rock or my, the foundation on which I build my church. Um mm-hmm. And so he has to move them into that place. And this time the disciples' response is different instead of arguing with them. Yes, yes. It, kind of one theme that I see both in this story of the demon-possessed boy and then also in Jesus' prediction of his death for a second time um, is like this this theme of hope. And maybe it doesn't seem like hope would fit there, but I, I feel like um, for me in this time that we have come to this passage, because I've read these stories plenty of times before and never thought about it this way. But in this time that we came to it, as we've been walking through everything else, like we've just recently had a conversation about how, like you said, Derek, like Peter 
identifies Jesus as the Messiah, and then two seconds later, like rebukes him, just as Jesus rebuked a demon possessed boy or the demon in the possessed boy, right? Peter rebukes him, and Jesus is like, "Dude, you've missed it. Like you've I, you've called me the right title, but you do not understand what that means." And then the next moment, they're at the Mount of Transfiguration, and and the voice of God is saying, "Listen to." Jesus, like, listen to him. He is mine. Listen to him. And so the hope that I see is, I guess, in the step one, first in the demon possessed passage, like, they are the ones who go to Jesus to ask him the question. I have always, I guess, just like in my mind, read it so quickly that it's like Jesus is addressing the the disciples and, and dressing them down for their lack of faith. But that's not at all what happened. Like, the like we've already discussed, like the disciples came to him humbly and asking, why couldn't we do it? They want to learn. They want to understand. They, they know now, like what he says is, is important. And so they're learning. And then you go to the next section in the prediction of his death. The last time his death was predicted, he has to rebuke somebody because they've missed it. But this time, their response, they, they get it. They understand what that means now. I mean, I could only imagine with them finally understanding, like they're grief stricken. Why? Because they've just had a situation where somebody has come to them asking for their son to be healed and they couldn't do it and they needed Jesus to intervene. And now Jesus is telling them again, hey, I'm going to be gone. And Sure, grief because man, our the our rabbi is is going to be gone. Like that's that's a bummer. But I could only imagine also just like this weight just setting down on them, where it's like, oh my goodness, the the mantle, the responsibility is going to pass on to us. That's a heavy weight, <laughs> and so I could understand why grief would be their response again. So that, that's like a downer. But at the same time, I say there's hope here because the disciples are learning. The disciples are responding to hearing the voice of God and listening to Jesus. I think it's it's interesting that it... It's not interesting. It just is. It, we can relate to the fact that the disciples have to go through this failure, essentially, to grow in their recognition of their need for Jesus. Because as you're talking about this, this need that's coming, right? He's going to be gone, and then what? Then who's going to come and do these things that they're supposed to be able to do but aren't able to do? And so I just, I don't know, I feel like we can relate a lot to to those circumstances. And maybe there's hope in that too, because you know that when you're going through these really difficult, these really difficult failures, these really difficult embarrassments, mess ups, there can be growth. And Jesus, we know, we know the good news, right? He's going to come back and he's going to walk with them in a different way, in a new way. Yeah. And we know we walk in that hope today we have Jesus walking with us. And so we, we really can get up and we can do it again and we can try again 
recognizing he's with us and empowering us every step of the way. So um, as we were sitting at our table, this last portion for me was uh, just odd, mixed in the middle of, of everything that's going on. And, and, you know, normally like those, those subheadings are, they play tricks with our, our minds. And so like having those there, it makes it difficult because you're not, you're not looking at it all together. Um, but for me, um, I see, you know, Jesus's call for the faith and, and, and helping the disciples to understand, you know, what, what he's asking them, reminding them that that his time is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this last portion, for me, I see the provision for all that comes from from Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's a stretch, but for me, that's kind of where I land because it just makes, it, it's such an odd, like, portion there. Like, I do recognize that there's this not wanting to offend anybody because potentially, you know, it's not his time yet. Um, but in that, like, Jesus provides one, I guess, so that nobody's offended. So they do what they're supposed to. They they honor what what's expected. But the faith that we need to be able to do what He's calling us to do, He provides. Mm. And so, um, I don't know. I just see that kind of like wave of of where I, that's where I landed at. So I'm not trying to speak that onto anybody else, but that's kind of where I landed at because I, like. I wrestled with, like, what are you trying to tell me here, Jesus? Like, yeah. I, I'm trying to figure it all out. Like, where does this go? And so that's kind of where I landed. Even, And it's ironic because he, it's only Peter. It's no one else. Um, and I don't know if Peter was there. Like, it, it says the uh, the disciples, like, but in my commentary, it said that Peter, James, and John were likely not there, so I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Hmm. But... Um, I just think it's it's ironic that it's Peter, um, and the provision is there, and, and Jesus makes a way. So, yeah, Derek, you're right. It almost like this section, the temple tax, goes better with the the what we start into in chapter 18, uh, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, because he's beginning to teach this idea of humility, which we've just talked about has already been demonstrated in the disciples' behavior of coming to Jesus and having a humbled heart. And then Jesus beginning to teach them, look, you you have these rights, right? With the temple tax, you have these rights. I have this right. I am, I am heir to the kingdom of heaven. Like I am God's son. I don't need to pay taxes. Uh, children of royalty never pay taxes, but yet I'm going to lay down those rights. I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to serve. And then he, that theme carries through the rest mm. of it. But I see t- totally what you're talking about where it it does, it brings this, everything we've gone through to this point, it comes together in, in the idea that you shared about how God provides. And when we consider what, what the father cried out for in Mark, I believe, help my unbelief. It's encouraging to know that Jesus, he's going to hear that prayer and mm-hmm. as as long as we continue to keep our eyes fixed on him, he's going to make it enough, just like he sends Peter out, find the fish, open its mouth. It and makes the, it enough. And it's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's like this. I, 
you brought up a good point, Derek. The the headings can often play tricks with us and and encourage us to make divisions where there shouldn't be divisions, um, and and make it more difficult to see the interrelatedness sometimes of what's going on. But if we were to look at this three part conversation that we've had today, it's like in this first part we're confronted with what is lacking. The second part, we're confronted with why what is lacking might be a problem. (laughs) And then in the third part, like the resolve comes in and it's, but the provision is going to be here. And and so it's like you on your own, you're not enough. I'm going to be leaving, but don't worry. I always provide. And I think that's a great way of saying it. Like, you know, he makes whatever we have enough. Yeah. He's just asking you to have something, Mm. Um, but he makes it enough. And so, yeah, I'm with the dad. Like, I I believe. But I'm not going to say help my unbelief. I'm going to say I want to believe more. Mm -hmm. Because, like, unbelief is recognizing that you, like, a lack of belief and I don't want to say a lack of belief. I just want to believe more. Mm-hmm. One of the the pieces that was also addressed at our table, um, again, the teens were like profound this week, um, but somebody else brought up this conversation about um, the role of faith and how important it is, faith and belief and how important it is for those around us. And how when we lack faith or when we lack belief, that could trickle down and influence a doubt and a lack of faith and a lack of belief in those around us. Thinking about it in the positive way, like if we're, if we're going through life and trying and and we are pointing to Jesus in every situation and every circumstance that we're going through, and we happen upon uh, a circumstance, whether it's tough or not, like I, I don't want to get hung up on the situation of it, but if we approach, come to a circumstance in life that other people have maybe encountered a similar circumstance and they're looking to us to see how we're going to respond in the midst of that circumstance because we say that we live according to Christ and ha- by faith in Christ, if we choose to live a life that doesn't demonstrate faith, like full faith. Like if we start clamoring to try to reason our way through it or, or figure it out ourselves and, and don't demonstrate a, a belief in the one we say we follow, that could do more than just plant a seed of doubt in those around us. Like that could allow that doubt to really grow if they're looking at us and they're Maybe they're already questioning, like, okay, Jesus, not Jesus, I'm not sure. They say they follow Jesus, but then I'm looking at them going through a similar situation that I'm going through, and they're trying to do get through it the same way that I'm trying to get through it. So maybe this whole Jesus thing isn't real. Maybe this is just something that helps them cope in certain situations, but when it boils down to it, we're the same person trying to figure things out in the same way. And so... Just, I I don't know, all that to say, like, yes, my prayer also is, Lord, increase my faith, 
But I think when I heard Hunter talking about this at the table, I realized, man, I don't just want my faith to be increased because I want more faith. I want my faith to be increased because I want others to also be able to increase in their faith as a result of the life that I am living that is pushing away the doubts or lacks of faith. Well, yeah, because, I mean, we didn't just get saved. Jesus didn't save us just for us. Like, he saved us with the intent, like like you talked about and shared, Natasha, like, the Great Commission is coming. So, like, all of this isn't just for the ones who hear it. Right. It's for those who are with them and who will come behind them. Um, and so, yeah, having this faith and, and living that faith and living with an increased measure, like, in a sense, every day, like, recognizing, like, Jesus, I know you're going to do this, is going to make a difference. I mean, whether we want to admit it or not, or not like, there are people who are watching, and and all it takes is one like dropping the ball moment for people to to want to write it off forever i mean i'm sure we've all had an encounter where somebody's like you know where we didn't live the way that we should have lived and it makes like you don't just have to make up for that issue it's like you have to make up for all the hurt that came from seeing you fail in what mm-hmm. in that faith and so not that we can make up for it but jesus living through us so but yeah, it's it's vital. In a very real sense, our our faith, our belief, or lack thereof, has a trickle down effect in the world around us. And um, yeah, I think that's important for us to to carry with us and to remember. And perhaps why it's so important for us uh, to go back to something you said much earlier, Brittany. Um, well, you and Natasha, both in the connection that you made with what Mark says about the he- the healing of the demon-possessed boy and about uh, prayer and fasting and this idea that prayer and fasting is our mode of communication, removing the noise and focusing on Jesus. And so because our our faith and our belief has a trickle down effect in our life. It is so important that we do remain connected, focused, listening, pursuing Jesus with everything that we are. In thinking about, you know, we always ask the question, what is Jesus saying to us? And, um, through this entire podcast, I've been, um, listening, um, more than I've been talking, um, because Jesus has really been working on me and, um, revealing some things that I'm, some things that I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with a situation that I have last week was complete. I believed that Jesus was going to take care of it. And as the, the week has went on and in starting into this week, um, I feel like I'm picking it back up and worrying about it and Mm. putting it down and picking it back up and worrying about it and putting it down. And, uh, Jesus has really, um, through the conversations here, um, 
just made me realize that I just have to have the faith and, um, I need to be, um, careful and acknowledge those around me that are watching because they're always watching, um, whether I want to or not, whether, whether I want them to or not, mm-hmm. that my, um, my lack of faith could be shining. Um, so, um, I'm going to respond to Jesus if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, thank you for speaking and for opening my eyes to things that, uh, I don't know that otherwise I would see. Lord, I, I believe, I believe that you're going to take care of this situation. I don't know how, and that's not important, but what I do believe is that it's going to be the best situation for your kingdom. Help me to be the example that you've called me to be. Help me to point to you in every situation, whether it be good or whether it be not good. Help me to continuously point to you. And in this last part of this this scripture, Jesus, I really felt you speaking that you were going to provide, that you were going to provide the faith that I lack or that I, like Derek said, don't have enough of. I trust you. I trust, I trust your plan wherever it takes me. Thank you, Jesus. Be sure to follow the Living Vertizano podcast to stay current on all our new releases. To learn more about The Church at Riverstone, visit us at thechurchatriverstone.org. 